You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 288. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice. Not a lot of news to get to. We do have the Eagles-Commanders Monday night matchup coming up. Uh, So we'll preview that. And we'll get to, I guess, some news, I guess, around the league. Uh, notably that Frank Reich got fired. What does that potentially mean for the Eagles going forward? We'll get to the Eagles injury report uh, off their mini buy from last Thursday, and we'll hand out Eagles awards. It's been sort of a popular thing for a lot of writers around the league to do, to name their uh, NFL uh, awards winners from MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll do that specifically for the Eagles. But before we get to all that, my man Brandon's got some uh, got some products and and services to hawk. <laughs> Very transparent, Jimmy. Uh, that's right. <laughs> First of all, I should mention that BGN Radio brought the the preview show specifically. Um, this weekly episode that we do is uh, our presenting sponsor is DraftKings Sportsbook. Jimmy, NFL Sundays are only getting better. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, <laughs> an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. So check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. You just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and points totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. So make sure, once again, you download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now and you use promo code 5QUESTIONS. That's all one word. You can do it all uppercase, 5QUESTIONS all together and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code five questions. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. BGN Radio also brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. I'll keep this one short and sweet. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order of the best snacks you can get. Jimmy, we have that out of the way. The Eagles are 8-0 for the first time in franchise history. I last talked to you, was it like last week after the Texans game? It's been a while. Uh, Yeah, I think it was when I got back from Houston. So uh, I think it was last Saturday. So, yeah, I think it was Friday or Saturday. Saturday, week, yeah. Like so there yeah. you go. Um, But not a lot has happened, like you said, in terms of Newsy, because it was kind of a mini buy for the Eagles. But one of the big things is that Frank Reich, the true reason the Eagles won the Super Bowl and no other reason at all, especially not Doug Peterson, uh, was somehow fired from the Colts. 
uh what's your reaction Jimmy? i mean that franchise is a disaster right now and then they go ahead and they hire jeff saturday who has no coaching experience at all either at the professional or college levels like not even as like an assistant he did coach high school ball for but like a year or two or something like that um but yeah, it's kind of a it was a mild surprise that they fired him. It's not totally shocking that they that they let him go. It's more shocking that they didn't just promote one of the assistants on their staff to be the head coach when two of them actually have head coaching experience in the NFL and they just hired Jeff. Who would be the Jeff Saturday equivalent, by the way, in uh in Eagles world? Hmm. Is it not Dawkins? Maybe. That makes sense. Like he was kind of around the organization. You know, it's not just someone literally. Uh, and and you could see that happening, right? If things got so bad. Well, we joke about that all the time, right? Or the Eagles used to do that. Like if any kind of bad news is going on, the Eagles would be like, <laughs> right. oh, we promote, promoted promote Brian Dawkins, Dawkins again. <laughs> so I, He was a quasi-coach, right. sort of. Like he had sort of more of a front office kind of role. But he would hang around and he would coach up the defensive like backs practice, and the linebackers. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't think Jim Schwartz liked that all that much, and that the, the, that there was an end put to that at some point with him sort of coaching up uh, the you know individual players and whatever. But anyway, yeah, just a very weird situation in Indian, in Indianapolis, which is good news for the Eagles, frankly, because they face them <laughs> next week. So like, there's no question that uh, Frank Reich will be hitting up. Uh, uh, excuse me, Nick Sirianni will be hitting up Frank Reich for. <laughs> Um, you know, information mm-hmm. on the Colts, and you know, I don't know if Frank Reich will give that up or not, but uh, he'll he'll certainly club in a caller five uh to Frank Reich. I mean, it's uh, it's and then but also by the way, Shaq Leonard just went on uh injured yeah. reserve. Uh, I believe that was just like an hour ago. We're recording mm-hmm. this, by the way, at three twenty something uh, on Friday. So um, yeah, I mean that that's a team that's in. Sh- you look at like the Raiders. With their total mess, they just put Darren Waller and um, uh, who's their slot receiver again? Hunter Renfro, the, the little white dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Renfro, they just put both of those guys on uh, on injured reserve. They're a total mess. Coaching staff is a mess, and they're like touchdown favorites <laughs> over this Colts team. So that just kind of goes to show you how how much of a disaster this Colts team is. I, I would imagine that the Eagles Colts line next week will probably be in the ballpark of like two touchdowns, even though it's in Indianapolis. Uh, but yeah, the 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 downfall of that franchise is uh, something that is uh, you know favorable to the Eagles. And uh, it's happening at, at, at a time, you know, obviously a week and a half before they actually play them. But there was like this report that Jeff Saturday was like screaming at the players for like running a player. Off. Can you imagine being a player and this guy just shows up? You don't like a lot of these guys don't know him from a hole sure. in the wall. They don't care about Colts history. And some guys like screaming at you like, who the hell are you? You know, what I mean? like, how does that even work? Uh, so I think Frank Reich is being scapegoated, you know, to a certain extent because, yeah. um, you know, like Chris Ballard to take a lot of blame for. I mean, the personnel is mm-hmm. not good enough. I don't, and, and again, I don't think Reich has, you know, necessarily, you know, been, he's not blameless to be clear because in large part, I mean, he was a big architect or at least proponent of the Carson Wentz trade, which was a very yeah. obviously bad move at the time. And we said would be bad and damaging. And certainly that's again, not Wentz wasn't the only thing wrong with the Colts, but that certainly was a, a, a terrible decision that had ramifications. So um, I, I just, I, it's not like I'm excited to see Frank Reich fail, 
but I do beat that drum constantly that like, I just think it was ridiculous that for so much, for so long of a time after he got hired away, like people were just like, Doug sucks. Frank Reich was literally the only reason mm-hmm. the Eagles were successful. That was a big talking point. And not just from like, general fans. And I'm not strawmanning this. Like I remember national heads. That was something national people, like credible national mm-hmm. people, not just like, you know, random, uh, like, you know, hot take artists, but like people who were like, don't even necessarily have a ton of takes, but like would, would come out with that take. So uh, I think there's some vindication for Doug Peterson there. When it comes to Frank Reich joining the Eagles, I don't think it's going to happen this year. There's no reason for that. Like if, if you're Frank Reich, mm-hmm. you're still getting paid for at, at the very least. I forget when, didn't he get a contract extensions? At the very least, he's getting paid through the end of this year. So why not take some time off and still get paid and just like hang out with your family for a bit? Like, I don't I don't really see any point of him joining the Eagles. But next year, when um, uh, Shane Steichen is a very strong candidate to get a head coaching job, you know I could very easily see uh, Frank Reich be this team's offensive coordinator once again. Although you know you still have Kevin Batulo here. You have Brian Johnson, who seems like he's, you know, uh, destined for some kind of promotion at some point. So it's not like a lock, but mm-hmm. uh, if they need an offensive coordinator or or maybe what they'll do is like like they kind of added, you know, Marty Mornweg back in what, 2020 or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these, these like a senior offensive assistant. Maybe they'll do that with Frank Reich and then he'll be kind of just uh, on the staff here. He could be like offensive Vic Fangio for right. the rest of the year where they're clearly uh, getting help from Vic Fangio, not in an f- official capacity, like the team hasn't uh, 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 recognized him as uh, an employee of the team, but but certainly he is uh, helping out with the Eagles defense mm-hmm. this year. So, uh, you know, maybe Frank will, will do the same and continue to be able to get paid by the Indianapolis Colts. So, go. like, yeah, um, the, the, the Colts, uh, I mean, you mentioned Chris Ballard being culpable as well, and you know, you look at their quarterback situation, they had Peyton Manning fall on their laps back in the day with the number one overall pick. And then he retires. They have a terrible, or he has the back and neck injury or whatever. They have a terrible season. Then Andrew Luck falls in their lap. So they had a setup where they had basically elite quarterbacks for a long sustained period of time. And then once Andrew Luck had his surprise retirement, they had a new quarterback every year. And, you know, some of them are good. Uh, Nick Sirianni, I know, gets uh, upset when people have any kind of slander whatsoever toward Philip Rivers. <laughs> I think he was probably the best of the uh, one-year quarterbacks that they had. But uh, yeah. this year, you know, when they signed Matt Ryan, or traded for Matt Ryan, rather, um, I thought he would be okay-ish. Like, I didn't yeah. think he was cooked yet. Certainly, he was on the downside of his career, uh, as it turned out. Yeah, he was cooked. <laughs> so, like, he uh, lost his job to to Sam Ellinger, who, by the way, isn't exactly, um, you know, like uh, um, some sort of compelling backup, you know, young backup or whatever that you you really need to see for the rest of the season to see if, like, he's your guy going forward. Clearly, he's not. So, for him to get benched for that level of player had to have been really bad. Uh, that was a move that was, uh, you know, directed by Jim Mercey. So, say the reports. Uh, but yeah, total disaster of a team and um, sort of an interesting team from an Eagles perspective because we've kind of been interested in what they've done the last couple of years, notably because their draft positioning with the Carson Wentz trade mm-hmm. uh, a year ago. And then this year, of course, um, you know, the Frank Reich and Doug Peterson and all all that sort of uh, old history kind of angle. Doug was awesome that year. It's crazy that people try to take that away. Yeah. And the league has changed. Because of him and his fourth down uh, aggressiveness during that season, a lot of other things that he did that year. You can give credit to Doug. You can give credit to Frank Reich. You can give, give credit to Filippo. Mm-hmm. You can give credit to 
Jeff Stoutland. You can give credit to Jim Schwartz. And you know what? You probably give a lot of the credit to the actual players, yeah. too. Like, they had something to do with winning the Super Bowl. Like, it doesn't have to be this person or that person that gets, you know, the most credit or whatever. I think that it was everyone did a great job that year from top to bottom. And I think that's what we're seeing so far out of this Eagles team, by the way, in 2022. It's also kind of funny how it swung back around where, like, Sirianni left Indianapolis and now the Colts aren't the same. You know, Frank Reich. <laughs> so Doug Peterson right. needs Frank Reich, Frank Reich to win in Philly, but then Frank Reich needs Nick Sirianni to win in Indy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of silly to me. Um, but we can get off the Colts. Not a Colts podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get into some <laughs> Eagles. Ten minutes yeah, in. <laughs> mid- I mean, we you know, we tried to, like, point out why it was there's an Eagles prism yeah. to be had here, or viewing it through an Eagles prism. Let's get into some Eagles mid-season awards. That's a very trendy thing, as you said. You did your own NFL mm-hmm. mid-season awards for Philly Voice, but that's like the entire league, not just the Eagles. We're going right. to just do an Eagles focus, because uh, that's what matters the most here on this podcast. Uh, I will just read off, I guess, ca- each category, and we'll go through. Um, MVP. We're going to go one by yeah. one? Okay, I thought you were going to do the whole no, list. All yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I think for the Eagles... Pers- so I, I actually got a question that I used in a chat wondering whether A.J. Brown should maybe be the Eagles MVP because he's, you know, a big part of the reason why Jalen Hurts is, is better this year. And I think that that's, a, you know, valid-ish kind of question. Uh, but no, like Jalen Hurts is the MVP of this team, obviously, through the first half of the season. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's really much of an explanation needed. There. And the NFL MVP, you would argue. I have also him as the uh, NFL MVP so far through the first eight games. I don't think Josh Allen is even part of the, the discussion. I think it's between him and Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen has eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. Last week, he threw two bad yeah. interceptions. He was like the primary reason they lost to the Jets. Jalen Hurts hasn't lost yet and hasn't even come close. His stats are outstanding. He's a force as a passer and as a runner this year. Uh, obviously, has the respect and everything of the team and, and is, is the leader of the team. Um, there's nothing not to like there. I mean, Mahomes, maybe you kind of go like, um, you know, you look at the season that he's had and it's, you know, great stats and, and whatever as usual, as usual. But, um, the way that he's kind of adapted after they traded away, uh, Tyreek Hill is pretty impressive. So he's got a very good argument in his own right. Uh, but I, I think Jalen Hurts kind of has to be the guy. He's eight. No, like what more do you want out of the guy? I mean, that's the big Trump card. Yeah. Especially if they, you know. Imagine they <laughs> remain undefeated through the whole season. It'd be very hard to argue against that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue against it. I think Jalen Hurts deserves that. Uh, I think it's close between him and Mahomes right now. Also, Lamar Jackson is kind of like surging back up into that conversation here. Um, but I would put Hurts at the top right now. Um, I- I'm I'm cool with that. Certainly the MVP of the Eagles. I guess like who's, to make it a little more interesting, who would you put second, maybe third? AJ Brown would be my okay. second guy. And then beyond that. And then um, you know I'm always gonna go back I to was Lane Johnson. Say, I might put Lane Johnson <laughs> but, like second. Yeah. Yeah. He he or he or AJ Brown is I think I think so if you're just looking at like M, like MVP or offensive player of the year or whatever, I think uh that's AJ Brown, but in terms of the player that would hurt to lose most the most that's Lane Johnson. Yeah, that's that's why I was thinking of it that way. Because I, I mean, you can define valuable as that uh, being there. Yeah. Um, but sure. yeah, either way. I mean, I think you can argue which two or three, but I think they're two and three in some order. 
Let's flip to Offensive Player of the Year, which is a dumb award, as you pointed out in your <laughs> post, because it's just, yeah. I mean, the MVP. What what exactly does it even I, mean? I don't know. <laughs> the best, it's really like the best offensive non-quarterback has it somehow become. Well, you know, it's so like I, I was, I looked at, um, I, I Googled, you know, uh, mid-season uh, NFL awards, because I just want to make sure I didn't miss any of the categories. And I pulled up. The uh, NFL.com had like an article. It was like a panel they had of like twenty something different people voting on on each award, and a bunch of the a bunch of the the people on the panel voted for other quarterbacks for the offensive player of the year. So they had one quarterback as the MVP, and then they had a different quarterback as the offensive player of the year. I don't understand that at all. Like, what's the point of that? Like, if you're if you're the MVP and you're an offensive player, aren't you then also the offensive player of the year? Right. Like, I don't understand how that works. But but for our purposes, we'll we'll call it best, you know, the the offensive player of the year, parentheses, non-quarterback. I mean, J.J. Brown, obviously, that's the the right answer. I think, you know, Dallas Goddard is second there, um, but A.J. Brown Mm -hmm. has been everything that we could have possibly expected him to be when we saw him in training camp. We were clearly way too low on him, and it wasn't even – wasn't even from a standpoint of doubting him. I just think we probably didn't appreciate just how – I don't think really anyone, to be fair, like appreciated just how good he was until you actually see it happen in person for yeah. this team. I know we, you know we can look at the Tennessee tape and he was great. Sure, it's another thing to see it in person for yourself on this Eagles team. I mean, he's been uh, he's been crazy. Um, just I think he's been better for this team than he ever sure. was for the Titans, by the well, way. Well, they actually passed the ball here. I mean, the Titans had like one of the, yeah. the lowest <laughs> running, or sort of the highest running uh, percent per play percentages in the NFL. Yeah, um, he's the clear answer. You, you mentioned Dallas Goddard. I think there's a pretty big gap between A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard yeah. has obviously had a very good year, too. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there, there needs to be anything more said about like you mentioned in training camp. You could see in person, you know, obviously how good he was, but he's been even better than what we saw in camp, too. And pretty good reason why is because there's no contact, really. There's, there's no tackling anyway. And uh, he's kind of gotten back to the uh, tackle breaking, you know, yards after catch guy that, that he was in Tennessee after kind of a one year hiatus from being that guy a year ago for Tennessee. So the other side of the ball defensive player of the year is more of a discussion i would think for that one there's at least there's more legitimate mm-hmm. candidates who would you pick yeah i think the the top candidates for that would be javon hargrave with his six sacks mm-hmm. you could maybe go hassan reddick with five and a half sacks and three forced fumbles you could go cjgj uh slow start but five interceptions in the last four games and at least one in every game you could go slay who was just Lockdown player and also has three picks. Um, I go Slay. I think Slay is their best player, and um, they just don't attack him that much. Yeah. And when they do, it goes badly. So he he's been shutting down opposing number one receivers. I mean, really over the last two years, um, and he also makes plays when the ball comes his way too. So he's my guy, and uh, uh, you know, plenty of good arguments for the, for the other guys I just named, but but he'd probably be my number one guy of that group. I think he's the correct answer. Like, um, I don't know if I necessarily would make him. You know, so maybe a weird distinction here. I don't know if I'm like 100% locked into him as my pick, but I feel like objectively he is the right answer. Um, I think you could make a strong case for James Bradbury as well, though. Bradbury also is three mm-hmm, interceptions. Sure. I know teams haven't been like avoided him, avoiding him quite the same way, but I mean, you can't. When you know there's two cornerbacks like that, you kind of have to pick yeah. your poison. Um, the numbers are very good uh, for both players. 
Um, Darius Slay allowing just a 37.2 passer rating when the ball has come his way. He's been targeted 41 times. Uh, James Bradbury has been targeted a little bit more, 55 times. Um, and he's only allowed yeah. a, l- a slightly lower pass rating at 35.9. I will note here that Slay has also missed a little bit of playing time uh, this season compared. Bradbury's only missed like, I don't know, six snaps or something. He's barely missed any time. Um, although, for what it's worth, James Bradbury also has a higher missed tackle percentage. He has 21.4%, where Darius Slay is only down at 7.4%. Um, so yeah, I think I think we can give it to Slay here. Um, a lot of good contenders uh, across the board. Um, you know, CJ Gardner Johnson definitely not a candidate for this award, but at the same time leads the NFL interceptions. So like kind of a <laughs> right. kind of the absurdity of uh, riches the Eagles have when it comes to their defensive talent and Hargrave. Like it's hard to say at this point because he's just been you know turning it up recently. But if he ends the season, you know, like kind of on this kind of stretch to some extent, I mean, that would, I mean, he could easily, mm-hmm. I think, uh, pole vault over Slay for that. Um, let's then shift to and Reddick with the with the turnovers that sure. he's creating too as a pass rusher. Uh, I, I think, and even I, we didn't mention T.J. Edwards, who's like who hasn't had like sure. a ton of splash plays, but is is obviously you know, I mean, just a very very good linebacker at this point in his career. Um, let's go to. Offensive Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Who are the candidates here? So there's three options here. So we got uh, the two guys they drafted in Cam Jurgens and Grant Calcaterra and Josh Sills, uh, the undrafted rookie free agent who made the team who has not yet been active for any games yet, I think, right? He hasn't been active for any games. I think he was active for maybe one. Um, oh, I think but right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I, <laughs> who you got? I mean, Grant Calcaterra has actually done the most in the regular season with that one catch he had against Washington. It looked pretty good, <laughs> but I mean, I think I have to, yeah, 40 yards. Yeah. I think I have to, I'm going to include preseason though. And just because Cam Jurgens, I thought kicked butt and I think he looks really good. And certainly a lot of players making me look bad for kind of maybe not necessarily being the biggest fan of the, how the team acquired them or the team acquiring them in any case, like Darius Slay and now Jurgens. Uh, but Jurgens has been awesome, and I think he deserves it because you know the, the the you know regular season production. I get it, but it was just like one catch by Calcaterra, and he's probably probably going to be demoted soon. I don't even know if he's going to be active for the team anymore because if they're going to activate Tyree Jackson, which they're presumably going to do, I would feel like that would bump uh, Calcaterra down to oh yeah, I would, yeah, the I would fourth agree. tight end, yeah. which is fine. But um, yeah, so I'm going to give it to Jurgens. What about you? I'll go Jurgens too. Uh, I appreciated his enthusiasm uh on the two-point conversion oh that was awesome who was that against the texans yeah he was lined in the slot yeah Yeah. or motioned out to the slot i mean he he looked the part he ran out pointed to the side judge like am i lined up right (laughs) (laughs) really he really sold that i mean he knows full well it's going to be a qb sneak but he really sold that he was potentially going to be you know running a what are you looking at? Jimmy's looking away from? from the screen. My phone oh. was, or a phone was ringing nearby. You know they're so. going to throw to him on one of those at some point, right? It's going to happen at some yeah. point. Yeah, they're going to they're going to run a wrinkle off of that and maybe go to him. But yeah, I, I loved his enthusiasm. I, but I'm with you from a from a front office perspective. Yeah, he's the offensive player yeah. of the year because what he showed during training camp and during the preseason is that like, yeah, he's a legit um, successor to Jason mm-hmm. Kelsey. You know, just from what they saw in training camp and, and during the preseason, they can feel comfortable about that and not have to worry about drafting a center for the fourth or fifth time in the last decade. Right. Uh, we'll move on to defensive rookie of the year. It's Jordan Davis. Um, 
the Eagles clearly miss him. Not that I think, you know, it's like the Eagles run defense was incredible. And then it was bad without him. He's not the only reason the defense mm-hmm. has taken a hit, but certainly it's contributing. And I think what we've seen out of him is mostly encouraging. I just, I wish the team, and it seemed like they were using him in some more four man fronts early in that Steelers game after the bye. Yep. So I want to see more of that because I feel like he can handle it. And I want to see him get more opportunities to rush the passer. I don't think he's ever going to be elite at doing that, but I think he's probably, you know, he's not a non-factor in that regard. Um, so I would like to see him get healthy. And I am, I'm still very excited about his career. Yeah. So the other options there, I guess, would be uh, Nicobe Dean, who's barely played Four at snaps, all. I think. Um, Kyron Johnson, uh, and then Josh Job and Reed Blankenship were the undrafted guys who made the team. So yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to be Jordan Davis here. The concerning thing about him being out and the way, the, just the way that the Texans ran the ball with him out, it, everything was right up the gut for the most point, for the most part. And uh, they, you know they missed him in the interior there. They struggled when they had Tui uh, over the nose or uh, Big Marv. Uh, when they put Hargrave in that spot, then things got corrected a little bit. Uh, but yeah, they they need him, uh, and uh, he's going to be an important player for them against some of these teams coming. I mean, they have a bunch of games during the back half of this schedule that have, you know, bigger kind of running backs that are physical that can run between the tackles like Zeke and Saquon and, and Derrick Henry and, um, and, you know, guys like that. So um, it'll be ideal getting him back in the, in the rotation. And as you said, I'd like to see his role grow and it'll be interesting to see if they put him right back in to those uh, even man fronts, if they, or if they, or if he's got to work his way back up into that again uh, for a game or two before he starts getting those opportunities once again. But uh, yeah, I, they, they had plans to uh, grow his role, um, you know, just because they didn't trade up for this guy to play like 20 snaps a game. And then also, you know, guys like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, you know, shouldn't be playing 65 to 70% of the snaps uh, week in and week out that they, they could use a little bit of a break and, and playing him more in those, you know, four man fronts affords them the opportunity to get those guys. And rest. also like Cox won't be here next year. So Davis might have to, you know, start taking yes. a bigger role. Yeah. Um, or at least I'm very, I feel very confidently about that last year, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, his contract is up. And Hargrave's uh, scheduled to be he a free. Is, Hargrave's is scheduled to be a probably free. Probably him if he's playing at this pace. Uh, yeah. So who's your NFC real quick? Sorry. Uh, your, uh, Eagles rookie of the, uh, uh, special teams rookie of the year. Zach Mc, I said Zach. Oh no, he's nope. not a rookie though. Uh, Zach McPherson, by the way, as long as I mentioned his name, he's got like eight special teams tackle. Mm-hmm. I think the, uh, Eagles PR department tweeted yep. out, uh, which is like among the league leaders. Apparently. Like one of only so, three players know. with a multi special teams tackle game this year. Yeah. So, that's good. Good for good for McPherson. But that's not my question. And also, um, real quick on Jordan Davis, we should note that he's been seen in the Eagles locker room without any kind of like brace or anything. So that like generally seems positive. You know, it's not like he's still hobbling around. I'm gonna go with a uh, an uh, an odd choice here. I'm gonna go Cameron Dicker for that's the his, that's the trick answer I didn't game. want you to think of, but I, I wanted to bring up just because he just won. Oh, that's what you're gonna go with. We just won NFC's or <laughs> AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, for the Chargers. For yeah, the, the I think Sam Lynch made the point that he's been special teams player of the week twice, yeah. and he's never even right. been on a 53-man he's roster. the Chargers practice squad. <laughs> uh, that was just a quick little you know, joke question. But we, if you would, the, kind of a good job by you, if we're going to pick uh, NFC, or sorry, I keep saying NFC, Eagles special teams player of the year, I think uh, I think Zach McPherson is a, is a fair 
uh, answer to that would be right. I, I mean, mm-hmm. with the, the sure. Eagles being as good as they are, it's possible he might get Pro Bowl consideration just because, you know, they're a really good team and he stood out on a good team. Um, so that's one, another one to watch. Uh, let's let's kind of speed through these last ones here. Or, or there's only one more left, I guess. No, no, there's two more left. Uh, comeback player of the year. Yeah, I, uh, I hadn't given that one any thought. Uh, you can go if you have one chambered up and ready to go. Hmm. I'm looking at the roster. Who really came back? Did anyone like come back? I mean, I'm going to give it to my guy, Brandon Graham, because Brandon Graham. Uh, okay. Yeah. Been, injured. Yeah, sure. Injured. He, and like, he could have been done. You know, he's an older player. Achilles injury. Like that could have been, you know, look at Brandon Brooks. You know, he, he was kind of done um, and couldn't stay healthy. And that's no shade at Brandon Brooks. I'm just saying like, you know, that those can be career unders for some guys And Brandon Graham battled back from that. I think he's been a really effective player in a smaller role. Like they're not playing him a ton, but he's been highly efficient mm-hmm. in the snaps that he does play and is still a nice piece here and someone who you feel good about, um, you know, giving you quality production in that. He, he hasn't had, he hasn't had, so he had two and a half sacks in that Washington game and hasn't had one since. Um, but um, I, I still think, you know, he can be, an, he's a really nice player for this team, both in run defense and as a pass rusher in rotation. So I'll show some love to my former BLG. I'll go, I'll go offense. Uh, the BLG of the offense. I'll go Isaac Sayamalo then yeah. if we're going, uh, you know, injured guys last year, who's come in and switch positions sort of from left guard to right guard and has been totally fine yeah. there. Like he's, a, he's a legit solid starting NFL player and you know while he gets overshadowed by some of the outstanding players on the Eagles offensive line a lot of teams around the league would kill for a guy like that yeah. uh, like to to I mean especially be like the the I don't want to I don't want to call him the worst starter on the Eagles offensive line because he's a very he's, he's a good player but he's certainly like the the least decorated of uh, the Eagles offensive line started starters and he's just a very good player the least best uh starter uh <laughs> yeah and then coach of the year. I, I remember one time i uh so so there was one year where the eagles had like their offensive line was insanely athletic like ju- like you look at their spider charts or whatever just off the charts and the the one who wasn't was uh todd harriman's so i <laughs> asked yes, todd harriman's like about that about him like not being that athletic compared, <laughs> compared to the other guys he's like man that's a i like todd like todd harriman's was awesome to talk to but he was like man that's kind of a messed up question <laughs> it's yeah. like he's like i'm an nfl player i'm athletic what are you talking about uh, <laughs> and i'm like well yeah but just not compared to lane johnson you, you know come on todd was a cool guy um <laughs> first player i ever interviewed professionally in my life oh yeah? yeah okay we had this bgn interview with him back in like 20 12 or i can't remember jason b was still running the site and he kind of he, he let me do it and he was like make sure you ask him what do you think the eagles should do at quarterback like <laughs> because it was between cobb i guess and uh, vic <laughs> at that point uh yeah. so yeah uh so shout out to todd also ended up being my flag football coach at a media game one year uh they had some like alumni oh, that's awesome. coach the teams <laughs> and uh i I had this spin move because little pro tip uh, when you, I feel like spin move is underrated in flag football. It's much harder to defend than you think it would be. Like, cause it just, yeah. Cause it's harder to yeah, grab the, the flag. If the person's yeah, spinning the up in the yeah. air. So uh, he loved it. He was like, he just got all fired up. I have to get, there's a clip of that somewhere on YouTube or something. I don't know. It wasn't that, it doesn't look very uh, graceful, but he loved it. He was like, don't spin. He's just like yelling from the sideline. So yes, yeah, big shout out to Todd. Uh, consider him a friend of the pod. 
Got it. Maybe got to get it back on. My first interview was uh, Quentin Michael. Mm, Q. And I remember I asked, yeah, I asked him like uh, three or four just terrible <laughs> questions. And he was very nice. He gave me like, you know, whatever yeah. answers he gave. And then I, I was like, all right. It was like Jim Carrey, like in, uh, in Dumb and Dumber. Well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's wrap this up with coach of the year. Yeah, uh, I mean, Nick Sirianni, I have him as the coach of the year in the NFL, so he's as good a choice as any. But uh, I'll go a little more hipster here. And I mean, not that this is even hipster anymore, but Jeff Stoutland Mm -hmm. and the work that he's done with this offensive line is just insane. Uh, So he's a pretty easy answer there if you're not going to go with Nick. I'm going to go with Brian Johnson. I think Brian Johnson deserves a lot. I mean, Jalen Hurts deserves a lot of credit for the hard work he puts in, but I think there is something to, you know, that's a hipster answer, but I but I, like I, it. I think he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, we heard him speak in the summer. Not that being good at a press conference is, means everything, but uh, I thought he was very inspiring to listen to and just open and honest. And I think I could definitely see that mm-hmm. guy being a head coach one day, um, probably an offensive coordinator along the way. Um, but wouldn't shock mm-hmm. me if he made that kind of a big jump. Um, so yeah, I definitely think he is. A, he's been a factor in uh, Jalen Hurts' improvement. I don't think you can dismiss how back in the day Carson Wentz, uh, like how he played with John Filippo. I thought that was very significant for him. It was someone who uh, talked about at length, someone who would be hard on him. And I think for all uh, for how much Carson Wentz didn't want hard coaching, I think it did really help him at one point. And not that Hurts like needs hard coaching; he can because he can take it. Um, but I think whatever Johnson has done with him, I think he deserves credit. And I and I would and. Look, you know, if we're going to talk about how Hertz is the MVP of the team, then I think, you know, someone associated yeah. with that certainly deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. I agree. That's that's a good call. Let's take a break. But before we do, Righteous Felon, Craft Jerky, you want to go to RighteousFelon.com. That's R-I-G-H-T-E-O-U-S-F-E-L-O-N.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off the same meat snacks, the very same ones that the Philadelphia Eagles that you love are eating at their practice facility. Uh, we talked about this, I believe, in last week's episode where Jimmy yes. got a picture of the Righteous Felon OG Hickory flavor specifically. Uh, just a, a bunch of packs there available to the players. So if it's good enough for your favorite players, why would it not be good enough for you? Go to RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I guarantee you will like it. Everyone who I've ever talked to who has gotten righteous felon craft jerky has had nothing but positive things to say about it. And some people have like, it's not even me just asking about it. It's people who um, like our good, our, our good listener, Niels, um, uh, like just brought it up unprompted who I was talking to the other day. Uh, and rich Bobby who tweets about it all the time. Like people like, it's a good product. Yep. It's not just something that we're hawking and we don't believe in. No, it's, it's great stuff. Right to sell.com. Just code BGN 15 for 15% off your order. Do it back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. Instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 288. It's time to get into an Eagles versus Commanders preview. I don't know if there's a ton of juice for this game, Jimmy. It's on Monday Night Football, but I just... Well, Carson Wentz is a coward and had to purposely break his finger to avoid playing in this that game. That is true. Uh, obviously. Let's start with the injuries before okay. we even start looking at the matchup. The Eagles have three cornerbacks that appeared on the injury report this week. Uh, Avante Maddox, Josh Job, Josiah Scott. So another two top guys, but uh, Avante Maddox, in alarming enough injury against a commander's team that has three good receivers in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Donson and Curtis Samuel. So, uh, that could be a key guy if if they miss him. He didn't practice at all on Thursday. We don't have the he didn't practice report on yet Friday. Friday. He's not seen him practice. Oh, okay. So that's not looking good. He may not play yeah, in this game. Not. And if he can't play, uh, Josiah Scott did practice, uh, limited, on Thursday. Uh, ankle injury for him. Uh, but otherwise, the Eagles are an extraordinarily healthy team at this point in the season with just uh, Jordan Davis and uh, Derek Barnett uh, on the uh, injured reserve for now. Um the commanders have had um, some really significant injuries throughout this season. Chase Young uh, missed the first eight games of their season. Uh, no, I'm sorry, first nine games of their season because they have played one more game so far than the Eagles. Um, he may play in this game. So they activated his 21-day practice window. I believe it was last Wednesday they did that. Uh, so it's anticipated that he will play and start. Uh, on Monday night against the Eagles. So that'll be his uh, 2022 debut. They have been wrecked along their offensive line uh, so far this season. They lost uh, Chase Rullier, their, their starting center, good player uh, for the season after week two. So he didn't play against the Eagles week three when the Eagles crushed their offensive line. Uh, Wes Schweitzer, who was their original starting right guard, uh, he is also on injured reserve. And then they have uh, Tyler Larson, who is now their starting center, uh, didn't, uh, was limited in practice on, on Thursday. Uh, but the main players here are uh, Chase Young, who, again, is going to be back. Carson Wentz, who's out. Uh, their offensive linemen, who are you know banged up. And then Cole Holcomb, yep. their best linebacker, didn't practice on Thursday. J.D. McKissick, their third down, uh, or excuse me, their, their passing like down the team uh, running back. Yeah. He didn't practice on Thursday. Jahan Dotson had missed like four or five games. I forget exactly how many. He did practice on uh, Thursday. He did not practice. Like he was supposed to come back earlier, and he didn't because he had a setback. Yeah, he didn't practice at all last week, and he missed that game. So it's a good sign for them uh, that that he practiced. Uh, it's a good sign for the Commanders that he practiced on on uh, Thursday. Limited capacity, but he did practice. So yeah, they're they're uh, a, a team that's more banged up. Uh, then the Eagles, the Eagles took advantage of their offensive line. Obviously, week three when they sacked Carson, a lot of that was on Carson Wentz, but a lot of it was also on their offensive line when they sacked him uh, nine times in that game. Uh, they've actually started, they've had seven different offensive line starting combinations 
in nine games this season. So that's not good when you don't have like any continuity whatsoever along your offensive line. And, uh, you know, certainly the Eagles took advantage of that. And uh, the the one matchup that, I mean, the Eagles just killed them in that first game was Javon Hargrave against Andrew Norwell. Oh, yeah. Uh, who's their left guard. He wrecked that guy in that game. His that stats was... didn't really show it. I think, he, yeah. I think he had one sack in that game. But he, he was just killing that guy all game, both just putting him on roller skates and also beating him with with, uh, with quickness. And that wasn't even like... I think peak Javon Hargrave we've seen the season. Like he, I think he's better now than he was. Like he, he talked yeah, about yeah, yeah. not being fully healthy earlier in the year, coming off of like a foot injury or whatever he was dealing with in training camp, and the bye week was helpful for him. Um, so yeah, now there's potentially an even like souped up version of Javon Hargrave going up against Andrew Norwell. Certainly a matchup in the Eagles' favor. I wanted to point out with the cornerback situation the Eagles have going on, uh, Josiah Scott. Maybe he'll be able to play because he's been limited. We'll see. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. if he kind of reaggravates what he is going on, then Eagles would be down to their third string slot corner option, which is Andre Sachere, who the Eagles actually signed yeah. to the roster from the practice squad this week because they couldn't elevate him anymore. He had already been elevated uh, three times this season, uh, so they, they couldn't mm-hmm. elevate him further without being further uh, exposed to waivers. Uh, so he's on the roster now. And Sachere, I think, has been solid at safety. Like, he's like a, whatever, he's a fine backup safety, a cromulent backup safety, if you will. And I think he's actually mm-hmm. a, a pretty good special teams player. So I think him being on back on the roster is actually a little bit of a boost for special teams there, especially as a gunner. Um, but as a slot corner, where he had to play a, a, a little bit last year, and you pointed out, did not play well there. And the numbers bear that out. He was targeted 10 times. He allowed eight receptions for a and two touchdowns for a 158.3 perfect passer rating. So not an ideal yeah. uh, setup there if Sachere ends up having to play in the slot. Definitely something to keep an eye on. A lot of that was in that Dallas game where, uh, you know, the Eagles played their base with our practice squad in that game. So you know, maybe you throw some of that out. But, yeah, you'd certainly rather have uh, Devontae Maddox in there or Josiah Scott than uh, Andrew Sachere for sure. But, that, yeah, that's that's a concerning concerning mm-hmm. area. Um, if, if, you're, if you're really, like, trying to point out any weak spot that you can uh, on this Eagles roster, I think that's it heading into this game. And it, ma- and it matches up, like I said, with uh, with a, a, a strength yep. of uh, Washington's with their wide receiving core. Yeah. Curtis Samuel, who specifically will be used in the slot uh, there. Um, nothing too much about this Washington team scares me, although Chase Young coming back is obviously significant. I've said on the mm-hmm. NFC's mixtape with RJ that I feel like, and we'll talk about the Steelers a little bit later when we make our picks, um, but I feel like Chase Young, his ceiling is that of a player who can have like a TJ Watt kind of impact where like the yeah. team stinks kind of as a whole, like the Steelers have for multiple seasons, but they've been able to like stay above 500 and be competitive in games because they have this freaking dominant pass rusher. Who's just going to be like wrecking the game all game long. And is unbelievable. I think that that is not me saying that that'll definitely happen for the commanders and chase young. I'm saying, I think that ceiling exists for him. So that is something that is certainly concerning as well. Yeah. I mean, their starting defensive line is awesome uh, on paper. Well, first of all, the the two interior guys, uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, like that's a fantastic duo. I think uh, Allen has 11 tackles for loss, Payne has 10, which puts them third and fourth uh, in the NFL so far this season. Uh, one of the one of them has five and a half sacks. I think it's Allen, and I believe Payne has four and a half. Uh, if you'll recall, I forget which one of those two guys had the safety 
um, against the Eagles week three yeah. when they tackled Boston Scott <laughs> in the in the end zone. Uh, but those guys were really, really good in that game and an otherwise horrible showing overall for Washington. And like, in fact, actually, after the game was over, Nick Sirianni got asked some question uh, about it wasn't even really about them or even the commanders at all. Uh, but he just volunteered right off the bat how good those two players specifically are. And then he also mentioned Montez Sweat in there, too, uh, who, by the way, is a very good edge rusher in his own right, opposite uh, Chase Young. So those four guys are really, really good. The problem that they have is they have no depth. They got nothing behind those guys. Allen and Payne have each played at least 82% of their defensive snaps this year. And you compare that with the Eagles. Fletcher Cox is has the highest percentage of defensive snaps played among the Eagles defensive linemen at like 65% or something like that. And I think we all kind of agree that like that's too much as it is. So like their guys are playing 82 and more percent of their defensive snaps because they have nothing else behind them. So I imagine that the Eagles will try to go tempo uh, against them to try to tire them out. Maybe a little heavy dose of the run game uh, against this team to further tire them out. Uh, but they want to get into their reserves or at least, you know, get those guys winded and then they can take advantage of them either on longer drives and then also in the second half. But again, the, like, for as good as their front four starters are, I mean, they just have nothing behind those. Nothing. You, you look at their reserve, it's like James Smith Williams. Uh, they drafted a guy, Fedarian Mathis, in the second round um, out of Bama. And he got hurt week one and is done for the season. So they they basically took that guy as a pure need. Like they needed more guys on the on their defensive line. They lost Tim Settle and um and the Temple guy uh, yep. whose name uh, Matt Ioannidis Matt uh, in in free agency last year. They are paper thin uh, along their defensive line. When it was at one t- time the very deep uh, defensive line, still good, but just not deep anymore. And I think the Eagles can exploit that with the way that they play. Yeah, Eagles had their worst rushing performance by far this season when they played Washington mm-hmm. earlier this year. Only 72 yards. Okay. The next worst performance was against the Steelers, and they only had uh, 111. Okay. So, <laughs> so nearly a 40-yard yeah. difference there. Uh, the, the Eagles averaged 148.8 yards per game this year, and you know Washington, or, well, yeah, Washington kept them to below half mm-hmm. of that. So certainly, and I, you know, part of that was they didn't really need to run the ball in that game because. Jalen Hurts is having a ton of success moving the ball through the air. Um, so maybe that's skewed a little bit. But I think there is something, too, the Eagles might not necessarily just be able to, you know, rely on the run in this game. And it's going to be have to be another day where – or night, rather, since it's Monday Night Football, where Jalen Hurts is going to have to show out uh, with his arm and make a lot of good plays there. And they should be able to because this Washington secondary, um, there isn't anyone you super fear uh, from this unit, um, right? Yeah, I mean, it's Benjamin St. Juice, who's a big corner – who's actually had a decent season for them, I think, in his second year. And then uh, Fuller was just getting mossed all day, <laughs> week three, by uh, by yeah. Devontae Smith. Uh, but he's, you know, a decent enough player. They do have Cameron Curl back for this game. He didn't play mm-hmm. uh, week three against the Eagles uh, at okay. safety. So that's an upgrade over – I don't. I forget who that – McCain maybe was uh, – Bobby McCain maybe was starting for them week three. Well, he's, he's their other starter. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. Somebody else was starting in, in his place then. Um but yeah, they, they can be, I mean, they can be had. Their, their linebackers aren't good. Uh, Jamin Davis is better this year than he was as a rookie. He was really disappointing his rookie season. Uh, the rookie out of, man, where did he come from? Doesn't matter. Kentucky. What's that? 
Oh, wait. Jamie, Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky last yeah. Year, right? Um, yeah. Cole Holcomb, as we mentioned earlier, is going to be out. So, or not, isn't going to be out, but he, he didn't have practice yet. Um, yeah, he leads the commanders in snaps played at linebacker despite missing the last game or okay. two. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're thin at linebacker. Could be Dallas Goddard game, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we, we saw in that last game how the Eagles receivers took advantage of, of their secondary. And and really yeah. what, what, what the Eagles were able to do very well in that game was exploit them via uh, empty sets uh, because when the commanders went zone, the receivers attacked mm-hmm. the middle of the defense. Jalen Hurts attacked the middle of the defense, and they just killed those guys in the middle. And then when they went man, um, they just couldn't cover the – they couldn't man up against the Eagles receivers, uh, particularly in the red zone. I think it was pointed out by – uh, well, first of all, uh, uh, Fran Duffy had a good breakdown of their empty sets, but then also that uh, JT O'Sullivan guy, the uh, the the, yeah. the QB school or whatever it's called, he had a number of plays that that he that he showed where the Eagles just dominated them with empty sets, uh, particularly putting uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith on the same side of the field, uh, just those two guys on on their own on one side of the field, and and that created a lot of matchup problems uh, for the Commanders there, so. Uh, they have their work cut out to try to figure out how to stop that this time around. And it'll be on the Eagles to kind of come up with wrinkles uh, to, to work off of what they ran week three that, that, that was very effective in the first half of that game. Wanted to get uh, into Washington's offense because we have not even mentioned their quarterback <laughs> right. yet, I believe. But real quick, uh, Eagles did release their Friday injury uh, okay. report, which is not their final one. They will release the final one on Saturday since it's a Monday game. Josh Job and Avante Maddox both mm-hmm. mispracticed again with a hamstring, so they're probably not playing this week. And Josiah Scott was limited mm-hmm. once again, so not necessarily a definite to play this week. We'll see Friday or sorry Saturday uh, will be big for him in terms of uh, we'll see if he maybe is full or gets listed with a questionable status. We'll kind of see more. Might be more of a game time decision. We'll see on that front. Uh, but getting into Washington's offense. Taylor Heineke is certainly an upgrade on Carson Wentz, and I will bet any <laughs> amount of money that he will not get sacked nine times like Carson Wentz did. And I've, I've said this many times, dear listeners, so bear with me if you heard me say this like a billion times before, but with Carson Wentz, you're just waiting for the bad moment to happen. It was such a lock to me that in that game specifically in week three, he was going to have at least one really bad fumble, and it was going to be costly. And my thing was, maybe the Eagles don't recover it, but it's going to happen. And they did recover it. Um with Taylor Heineke, now he does have the highest uh, turnover-worthy throw rate, I believe, as Johnny Page pointed <laughs> okay. out in our uh, stat preview here. So it's not like you know he's amazing at taking care yeah. of the ball, but I feel like there's less of a sense of like, oh, you're just you're, you're waiting for the the shoe to drop, you're waiting for the terrible thing to happen. I think at least comparatively to Carson Wentz, Heineke gives the commanders a fight a puncher's chance in any game like not you're not not going to be the favorite with him and you could certainly get blown out with him but you at least enter the matchup with like okay maybe he's going to have a a a good day maybe he can kind of like scrap it together and do just just enough uh especially paired with a a stronger defense that the commanders have a chance to win is it a likely chance no but it's it's a non-zero chance Whereas Carson Wentz, sometimes I just feel like he just felt like defeated and he had like no chance at all especially during a certain point of a game the body language just isn't there, the leadership, all of that. So uh, I think Heineke is certainly an upgrade. Um, but with that said, he's certainly still a flawed player. And it's not like this Washington offense has been scoring a ton of points with him. Uh, so I, I'm not really buying into him as much of a, a huge See, yeah, I think he stinks. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I think he's a, just a bad quarterback. Um, 
he's and he's given them a spark. So he's feisty. You, you can see like he plays with enthusiasm, or whatever. And I think a lot of his teammates feed off of that. Where maybe they weren't so much. He can run around uh, under, a little bit. What's that? He can run around a little bit too. Unlike when. Yeah. So I, I think his teammates were feeding off that a little bit, and he does have some mobility, which uh, which you know certainly Carson Carson Wentz used to, but doesn't so much anymore on the mo- on the mobility front. He's not Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick in terms of speed, and he's not uh, Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts in terms of you know being able to run through tackles and stuff like that. But he can run or he can you know move around the pocket and, and make plays with his legs on occasion. As a passer, just as a as, as a quarterback in general, he's short. He's got a rag arm, and he's not super accurate. So like he's just not he, to me. He's like he's like low rent Gardner Minshew. Is like the the way I would categorize him. Um, Gardner Minshew without the mustache. Gardner Minshew without the mustache and without uh, also also without you know a lower level of talent than than Gardner Minshew too. Um, but same style of player. They look a little the same uh, on the field. They play with the same kind of feistiness or whatever. But he's just not even as good as Moxie. not even as good as Gardner Minshew. Um, th- he has three pass attempts. Or three, I'm sorry, three completions in which the ball has traveled more than 30 yards down the field. One of them was a nice throw mm. uh, on a deep ball to Terry McLaurin against uh, Green Bay. The other two were one was essentially the game winner against the Colts, where it was kind of a broken play. He just chucked it up for grabs. First of all, McLaurin wound up being wide the hell open on that play, and uh, Heineke just underthrew him by like five five to ten yards. McLaurin had to come back for it. Made an incredible play on the on on the ball, made the catch, and uh they eventually punched it in for a touchdown for the win against Indianapolis. The other deep throw that he completed uh that you know down the field was against the Vikings last week, where he again he just chucked it up and it would have been an interception, but the referee basically interfered with uh, the Viking safety, who was, was going to pick it off. And he, the, 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 he, yeah. he just ran into the referee. By the way, if you watch the referee on that play, he's laying on his back on the ground and he's still watching the play from the ground <laughs> on his back to see like if That's the ball is caught or whatever. It was awesome. Uh, but also he screwed up because he got in the way. He got in the way of the play. But that would have been picked. But those are those are two. Uh, those are his two two of the three long completions that he has this year. Otherwise, that guy just lives near the line of scrimmage. Like you don't see him completing much in the intermediate areas of the field. You don't see him completing much down the field. It's just all near the line of scrimmage. And um, you know, against this Eagles defense, actually, we kind of pointed this out prior to the Texans games. Davis Mills is a similar kind of player. He's got an arm. Like he can throw down the field, but the, but for the most part, mm-hmm. he has lived near the line of scrimmage, and and you know, reasonably so because of their their receivers stink. Uh, but and I felt like. One area that maybe Houston could have success against the Eagles is with their running game and with those short passes because they have struggled tackling this year. The Eagles yeah. have to tackle well in this game. They have, you know, they're they're going to face short passes to to guys that can get yards after the catch, like Terry McLaurin and like Curtis Samuel. They have to tackle well against those guys, and they have to tackle well against their running backs too. Like Antonio Gibson can play, uh, Robinson can play, Brian Robinson can play. And uh, J.D. McKissick out of the backfield catching balls. They, they have to be able to tackle those guys and, uh, you know, create uh, situations where, you know, you're, you're making the commanders, uh, you know, run three plays to get first down. So um, 
Yeah, that that would be my cons- uh, my concern offensively. In in addition to just you know them maybe not having their starting slot corner or backup slot corner, it's just their general tackling against a, a team that doesn't take many chances down the field. Unless, but at the same time, they also like Darius Slay and James Bradbury and CJ GJ and Epps. They have to be prepared for Heineke to you know because what he what he will do is he'll take shots down the field on broken plays. So if like a guy mm-hmm. misses a sack or something and he runs out of the pocket, that's when he'll look down the field and try to take deep shots. So the Eagles secondary players have to make sure that they plaster through the whistle and make sure that they are aware that the ball could still be coming well down the field, you know, six, seven seconds after the snap. And if they are, they're also like interception opportunities because he will just chuck it up for grabs. All right. Why don't we take a break here before we get into our picks? But before we do, Hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. Yes, she is the best realtor in the history of the universe, uh, as voted on by God Himself. Uh, so if you're looking to buy or sell your home, you'd be crazy not to call her. 856 906 9295. Again, 856 906 9295. Call or text her or go to RoachRealtors.com where you can actually look. Uh, at listings and get all of our information there as well. So, uh, yeah, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 288. Doesn't matter. It's time to get into our pick segment. But before we do, Jimmy, I will quickly highlight. That the Bleeding Green Nation, same game parlay, will be available. Once it, uh, you know, DraftKings kind of puts up some more of the props for to bet on for the, they're, they're not all up yet for Monday night. Um, but it will be available on game day. You'll see it on the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter at Bleeding Green. So go follow that to, to see what it will be. Because every week this season, we'll be cooking up our own parlay that the good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage for you, the loyal BGN radio listeners, to follow along with and potentially bet on. Um, I'm probably going to do like something like Eagles money line, um, maybe uh, a Devontae Smith over because he had a really big game in the first mm-hmm. game, and I think they'd like to get him more involved. And then maybe like a, a Heineke over on like an interception or something like something like that. I'm not ironed it out. I like the Devontae idea. Something along – okay. So something along uh, those lines – uh, be sure to check out the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter where that link or, or that um, uh, graphic for you to, to prompt you will be. Uh, each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes or details. Okay, time to get into our picks where I am 17 and 16, just one game above 500 against the spread this year. And Jimmy is 15 and 18. We both went one and two last week. It was tough because the commanders barely um, covered by half a point, and then uh, the Eagles let us down. I mean, again, if Jake Elliott makes the field goal, which he should make, then the Eagles would have covered that game. So uh, that one's on Jake. I don't think it was crazy to believe the Eagles 
should have covered. That's on the Eagles for not doing it. Uh, we have four games to talk about this week because the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, currently who own the number six overall pick. Actually, no, they don't because they're sending it to the Eagles. Uh, they are one and a half point favorites on the road against the Pittsburgh Stillers. Have you seen if uh, TJ Watt will be back for this game? Yes, okay. he will be. Sorry. I, <laughs> yeah, it's got a mess. I got a Slack message and I just, my eyes went averted That's and okay. I got distracted. I but yes, you. I, I saw that he even said that he will not be on a pitch game. Oh, okay. Um, Steelers. I'll take the point and a half. Yeah, that's a big deal. They're one and nine without him. Um, so when he, when he plays, and like I was talking about with the Chase Young ceiling earlier, him playing is a really mm-hmm. big deal. Uh, I, I know the, the Steelers haven't been very good, but neither of the Saints. And the Saints are also playing on a short week, having last played on right. Monday Night Football against the Ravens. So uh, I don't really love this spot for them. I will take the point and a half gladly. All right. That brings us to the Texans who are hosting the Giants. I said on the mixtape with RJ earlier this week that I feel like the Giants are going to lose one of their next two games because everyone thinks they're going to win. It's the Texans and the okay. Lions. I feel like they're going to lose one of those two. Not because I think the Giants are terrible, but I think when you look at the Giants record this year, it does not reflect 100% who they are. And I just feel like they're almost like due for uh, a bad loss, uncharacteristic, maybe lost for them at this point. Um, I don't know that it's going to be this week. I think I'm going to take the Giants four and a half this week. The Texans are just kind of, they're a tough team. I think maybe there's something to the Lions being able to win. Uh, I don't know. But I'm going to say one of these two teams wins, but I guess I'll take the Texans to lose. So I'll take the Giants four and a half. What about you? Texans might be the worst team in the NFL. So when yeah. I saw this line, it's only four. It's in, New, it's in New Jersey. So like for it to be only four and a half, like a six and two team against the war against, you know, in my opinion, the worst team in the NFL, like that four and a half point spread is very low. So I don't, I don't know what they know. Um, I, I'm not, a, I don't think the giants are that good either, but I think they're certainly a lot better than Houston. Um, yeah, I'll take the giants and I'll lay the four and a half, but there's something weird about that line that makes me think that the, uh, the, the Texans, there's reason to believe the Texans could actually pull that game out somehow. The giants, by the way, so you- this is only the third game that they've been favored this year. Yeah. And one of them was against Dallas, oh, so, right, what you, by the way, like week three, when uh, everyone thought Dallas was done after uh, Dak got hurt. What are you taking here? I'll take the Giants minus the four and a half. But like I said, I think there's something okay. weird about that line. And I think there's a there's actually sure. a decent chance Houston wins that game based solely on that weird line. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, I made this my lock of the week for the SB Nation NFL show, which I missed earlier today because, uh, a long story short, I overslept bad job by me. What, <laughs> what I, I set the alarm for seven thirty three, very specific time that I did. And, uh, I guess it did go off or I slept through it or I don't know, or I snoozed it. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, but bad job by me, but I still made this my lock of the week. It was set on the show because I made it before the show uh, aired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys. I mean, this is the Mike McCarthy revenge game. I would love to see the Packers win this game very much because I know I would have RJ in shambles because he just wants to win this game so bad, which is really lame to me. Like who, why are Cowboys fans connecting with Mike McCarthy? Like what is so relatable or even like, like he's not a likable <laughs> right. or relatable guy. Like, right. Right. Is that win this one for Mike? <laughs> yeah. And also like, okay, uh, whatever. Whatever he does in the regular season, who cares? Like, you really trust him in the playoffs? Because you know he's going to come yeah. up short there. Uh, so, But it is the regular season still. And the Packers, 
no one can take the Packers. You just can't. Like, they've been so bad. They've been so bad and so, like, the worst vibes. What can you hang your hat on with the Packers? You can't say Aaron Rodgers right now because he looks cooked. Maybe he can turn it on. I, I don't discount that. But he just, they deserve no benefit of the doubt right now. I will take the Cowboys to cover four and a half. Yeah, the Packers are hot burning trash right now. And I don't think Rodgers is cooked. Like, he makes some plays. He makes a few plays in every game where you're like, oh, okay, well, that's very good. And that's like what I remember about Aaron Rodgers. But on the whole, he's been bad. Like He's been a legit bad quarterback this year. And uh, them trading Devontae Adams, maybe not such a great idea. And they have all these young receivers. And those young receivers have been in and out of the lineup, by the way, with injuries. They are extremely injured heading into this game. Their initial injury report had, I think, 14 starters on it. Uh, 15 mm. if you include the kicker. 14 starters. It's crazy yeah. to have that many that many starters on your injury report. Um, so, yeah, this is an easy call. Again, this is another line that seems low to me. I get that it's in Lambeau, but I'll, I'll lay the four and a half with the Cowboys all day. It's been the Cowboys. Some of the Cowboys lines have been really low this year. They have and the best of, record and, against which the is, spread this year. Which is weird because they're a team that is traditionally like their line is pumped up. Uh, artificially because they know there's so many Dallas delusional Dallas fans that'll bet on their own team, but they're, I've been picking them for the, for the better part of this year because their lines have been very attractive and like, been like, that's been one of, one of the rare, that's been one of the teams that have, that I've come through on. Uh, and yeah, this line again, seems really low. I'll lay the four and a half against this garbage Packers team all day. So we're all locked up once again, really chopping it up here, but the, <laughs> Final game we have to pick is the I might have Commanders. to just go opposite of you no matter what you say on this one. The Commanders at the Eagles. Well, I'll go first then. I'll give you the advantage okay. since you're trailing. Uh, I'll take the Eagles. Um, it's 11 points now. It was 10 and a half earlier. Eagles, anything when it comes to like talking to about concerns about the Eagles, sure, you can poke holes at them. They're not faultless. But the positives so outweigh the negatives by far. Yeah. Um, I just... The Eagles have earned the benefit of the doubt. I, I talk about teams a lot not earning that, like the Packers just now. The Eagles have absolutely earned the benefit of the doubt. I know they didn't cover. I know it's a lot of points. I know they didn't cover against the uh, Texans, but they easily could have. Again, if Jake Elliott doesn't miss that field goal. Um, Eagles smoked the Commanders in Week 3. That doesn't mean they'll do it again, but mm-hmm. that game was that was that was not a competitive game. The Commanders did not score until garbage time uh, in that game. Uh, it, it was a shutout for most of the most of the way through there. So, not saying the exact same thing happens, but Heineke's going to turn the ball over at some point, especially against an Eagles defense that is capable of taking yeah. the ball away. Um, the offense has shown like real no signs of slowing. I feel very encouraged about Jalen Hurts uh, coming out of the bye. He's throwing it down the field, um, and I, I think they can do that once again against the Commanders. Not really too concerned about the Eagles' run defense. I think they can um, hold on. I think some of the concern or some of the struggles that happened in Houston were part of the result of you lost Jordan Davis on a short week. You know, you didn't mm-hmm. have like a ton of time to prepare for how you're going to handle that change, and now you've had some like snaps and some information to better adjust to how you might do that since you've had right. this time off um, and more time. And again, I-, I said this after the game. If the Eagles aren't a good tackling team, they're especially not going to be a good at tackling team on short rest. Like that is not that's not going to help them being more tired. So not that mm. they're suddenly going to be great because they're a little bit more rested, but that gives them, I think, more of a chance to tackle better. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, 
I was looking at their tackling percentage earlier this year. I think they actually did better against the commanders, maybe than other games. I don't know why that was the case. Maybe the commanders in theory don't have players who are as good as breaking tackles. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, for whatever reason, the Eagles didn't struggle with that as much earlier in the year. It's Monday night football. Uh, Crowd's going to be juiced uh, just like it was when the Eagles hosted the Vikings earlier this year. So I just see every reason to take the Eagles to cover. I'm going to say the final score is something like uh, 28 to 14. Yeah, they haven't had a reason to, I mean, Philly fans in general were out in full force uh, for all throughout the Phillies playoff run. And it's been a while since they've gotten out and gotten the yell uh, for a professional team. So uh, Eagles return home. <clears throat> I'm with you. I think that place is going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot of time for uh, for tailgating to uh, for tailgaters oh, yeah. to get all sauced up. Uh, so I do think that'll be a fun atmosphere. I said I was going to go the opposite way of you. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm taking the Eagles all the way to 11. So we'll just be chalk across the board. Uh, what are you going to do? I can't, I can't fall another game behind you because I, I think the Eagles are going to smash this team. It's just not a good team. Like I said, I think Taylor Heineke stinks, like legit stinks. Isn't mm-hmm. even a good backup in my opinion. Um, so uh, they're going to own this this uh, commander's offensive line, in my opinion. Uh, I think the Eagles' offensive line it sort of negates the one strength that the one very good strength that the uh, commanders have the one, you know, another matchup that I should probably point out too, that does concern me. I mean, you're, we already, you already mentioned Chase Young and how good he can be, but we should also mention that Jordan Mailata probably hasn't had his best season so far this year. Uh, He's got a shoulder injury. He's been beaten. He got beat pretty bad uh, on a couple of occasions against the Texans by Jerry Hughes. So uh, probably should mention that too, but I think this Eagles team is going to just absolutely choke this team out early uh, like they did uh, week three. And like you said, like it was 24 nothing for the better part of the uh, second half in that game. The 24 to eight final score, which is what I think it was, was not indicative of the way that game went. Like the Eagles absolutely destroyed this team week three. And not that every game is going to go the same way, but uh, I-, I think the Eagles just have so many matchup advantages in this game. And they're just a much, much better roster and they're playing at a high level. And there's really no reason to think that this is a trap game or anything like that. It's a divisional game. Uh, they'll be out and they'll be playing hard. And um, yeah, this this just feels like uh, like another game where someone's kind of getting boring at this point. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if the other people feel that way or not, but uh, just oh, yeah. I think they're going to roll this team like, like they have uh, pretty much all season long. All righty. Well, there's your prediction. The Eagles are going to be 9-0 for the first time ever. Not just 8-0, extending the lead to 9-0. And who knows when they might lose a game. We'll see. Uh, maybe they won't. Uh, any final thoughts, James? Um, hmm. I hadn't given thought to my final thoughts. Uh, I can go if you want time. Yeah, you go ahead. All right. So one of my favorite spots in Philly, uh, Moto Mio Taverna, uh, located in Queen Village, uh, uh, is temporarily, at least potentially permanently, uh, shutting down, having some issues with the landlord. But fantastic mm. food. Uh, Chef Peter McAndrews there. Uh, Chef is uh, uh, just uh, unreal. Makes just extremely talented. Makes great dishes. Um, so kind of a bummer that that is looks like it might be closing. But he is reopening his uh, sandwich shop, Paisano's. Uh, which you can look at the Instagram account, Eat Paisanos, that's the handle. A lot of good food on there. So that's going to be reopening in the Italian market on uh, 943 South 9th Street in uh, South Philly. So make sure you check that out. And also, I think, website here, paisanosphilly.com. 
So check that out. Uh, help support that business so that one doesn't close because, again, Chef is an incredible talent when it comes to uh, making delicious food. So you're going to want to check that out when that opens back up. I got a question for you, actually. Were you allowed to build forts and such in your living room or whatever when you were a kid? Yeah. Were you? I, I lost you there for a second. What was your answer? I said, uh, so yes. Were you? I was not. Like, we weren't allowed to build mm. forts in my living room when I was a kid. Uh, it's a gripe that I have uh, against my parents, and I'll hold that wow. against them for life. Uh, otherwise, fantastic job by them, but on the fort front, you know, maybe not so much. Uh, but I am looking forward to getting out and playing in the fort that we built before we started this podcast. Uh, me and my daughter, we're going to wow. go have some fort time after this is over. Um, it's a pretty kick-ass fort, if I may say so myself. Um, me, uh, my daughter, Krista, and Kristen Roach of Roach Trailers built this fort. And uh, we're going to play wow. in the fort. And we're on – so I've never seen the Harry Potter series. That's what my daughter is into How these days. You. Uh, I watched the first Harry Potter movie last night for the first time ever. Uh, we're going to do what do you think? Do the second one. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I like movies. Yeah. Sorcerer's Stone was the first one. What is the second one? Do you know offhand? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, I'm, so uh, Sorcerer's Stone, then the Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, okay. uh, the Goblet of Fire, the Order of the Phoenix. Um, man, I forget the sixth one. And then uh, the Deathly Hollows. Does Voldemort get any scarier at some point? Because he seemed like a pretty weak villain in the first in the first movie. Yes, he does. Okay, all right, that's good to know. Because I was like, wow, that's that's it. Like they put he put his hands on his face and uh, he will... turned ash. Like that's, that's eh, what a weak what a weak villain. I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> for you or the listeners who are <laughs> I'm sure have not seen it. Uh, but yes, you will. That will be addressed in this movie. The number the second. Oh, one. okay. As soon, well, Got as it. soon as you you start, yeah. So yes, hold tight. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for us. Uh, I will let you do your little wrap-up spiel. All right, Jimmy. Thanks so much. Uh, BGN Radio brought to you <laughs> as the presenting sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, check out the same game parlay at Bleeding Green, the Twitter account that'll be posted on Monday at some point, date, uh, game, day of the game, game day. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy Kempsey on Twitter at Jimmy Kempsey. You can also follow both of us on Instagram. Uh, probably important, worth noting, non-Twitter platforms right now. Uh, yeah, we don't need to get into it. But, um, potentially. Um, BleedingYourNation.com, PhillyVoice.com. Those will not be changing. Keep going to those for sure. Uh, check out the whole Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Subscribe if you have not already somehow. And check out the other shows if you have not already somehow. Um, the SB Nation NFL show is where you can find league-wide coverage and where I am when I do not mess up and oversleep accidentally. Um, you can check out the NFC's mixtape, which is also here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Uh, the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel has the mixtape as well. So check out all that good stuff. Check out RightsToSellin.com. If you're looking for some snacks, discount code BGN15. Check out Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you will want to contact this phone number. 856-906-9295. We will talk to you after the Eagles are 9 and 0. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 